Hey everybody, this is the Huh Podcast with Garrett, Christian, and Micah, where we want to dive into deeper topics and bridge cultural and societal trends through the lens of scripture. Hello, welcome to the Huh Podcast with Micah, Christian, and Garrett. We are continuing our series on spiritual disciplines, and we're taking time to look at different ways that we grow in our faith. Today, the question is, how does being alone affect our relationship with God? And this is the other side of the coin, where last week we looked at how does community and relationships with others affect our relationship with God, and now we're going to assess what does it mean to be alone? What does it mean to be in solitude, and how does that affect our spiritual growth? Yo, yo, yo. What's up? (laughs) That was Christian. That was he weird. picked up that, smoking recently. I'm just we, cut the, we cut that out. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, looking forward to this discussion, guys. Uh, we can't do it in solitude because we're we need to be together. here together. Um, before we jump into solitude, too deep, uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about fasting. We talked a little bit about um, meditation on Scripture and, and fasting. And so last week, actually, when we recorded... Um, the podcast on community, we were in the middle of our fast that we were doing. Uh, and we don't want, we are not intending on having this um, quick discussion because of, so you can be like, oh, they fasted. That's really cool. We just want to kind of give you our experience. We've talked mm-hmm. about it from the biblical perspective. So we want to uh, give you a little bit of our perspective uh, from doing it and hope that you will uh, do it alongside of us. So guys, how did that go um, for you guys? I I really enjoyed. Um, I, I say enjoyed. I'd say More that loosely. I, I don't enjoy being hungry. Yeah, but I enjoyed the process. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I guess I'll say this is we're actually recording this at the same day we did the community podcast. Yeah, a little secret. And so we are actually are currently right, that makes in it easier fast. for what I'm about to yeah. say. Yeah, because uh, I was wondering and, how I worded it. And we've we fast forward to now one week later from this moment yeah. when you're listening. <laughs> yeah. So currently it's only two fifteen. So we've only skipped two meals. Yeah. Uh, and so I think with skipping two meals, just kind of where I'm at now, it's not a big deal. It's not, I am, yes, I like, am I hungry? Of course, but it's not like, oh my gosh, I'm miserable. I feel actually really good right now. And I think what, what the blessing was for me was this morning, I love the start of the fast. One, cause you're not hungry, but two, I love the start that this morning when I was on my porch and, and I was, I was praying uh, and I was just, you know, praying through the fast and, you know, for, for God to like work in it mm-hmm. and to just show me. I just had so much peace yeah. this morning. And I think when, when you fast, uh, there's going to be a peace. Yeah, there's going to be hard times. And especially just for a day, mm-hmm. it's, I promise you guys, a day is not super difficult. It is hard. I'm not going to downplay it. Uh, it is hard. It's doable, though. Uh, but you can do mm-hmm. it. And, but I just the peace that comes with it. Is worth it. Uh, I think the way you started, it's really important too. Because mm-hmm. I'll admit that I didn't even, you know, my my last fast that I did, I made sure to be intentional with mm-hmm. with making that prayer. But I didn't today. Um, so I think it is really important that before we, I guess, officially unofficially start our fast, we say, God, use this fast. You know, let it be beneficial to me. Let it really work within me. Um, for me, I think more than anything, fasting makes, especially when we're fasting from food, it makes me 
you know, when you sit outside at night and you look up at the stars and you realize just how small you are, I think fasting is a microcosm way to do whoa, that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Microcosm. I hate to break up the uh, the serious spiritual discussion. <laughs> microcosm. Uh, it's a, a massive word. I'm not going to ask you to spell way. that because I have a feeling. M-I-C-R-O-C-O-S-M. Yeah, no, no, see, I, 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 I told I'm you I wasn't going to ask you. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. I just had to pause for everyone at home. <laughs> it's a community Basically, place right. or situation. I finished the word. Cosm. Yeah. C-O-S-M. Micro. M-I-C-R-O-C-O-S-M. Microcosm. You got it right. All right. Yeah. It's All like right. a, like a small-scale version a of a large-scale thing. All right. Well, I just what I wanted to do is basically give people time at home to look it up and figure <laughs> out what it was. <laughs> okay, <stomach>. go ahead. <laughs> the, the point I was making is it's... Fasting is a way for us to essentially perpetually throughout the day sit under the stars and realize how small yeah. we are. Realize that we are, you know, we're not able to fend for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in in the sense of every breath that we draw is from the grace of God. And um, different theologians call uh, the, call that... Um, Oh shoot! A microcosm? Uh, <laughs> is, it, is it a micro? No, no. There, there's two different. Um, there's two different tracks of grace. There's grace that comes from that 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 is given to us every single day, um, simply from us living and drawing breath. Um, and then there's divine grace that comes from the sacrifice of God. Um, and so, you know, when you are a part of um, a fast, you realize the grace that God gives us simply to allow us to draw breath, regardless of whether or not you have the grace of of God from the blood of Christ. Um, and so, yeah, that that's just something that I've realized that happens yeah. with fasting. Yeah, and as we're kind of in the midst of it, um, I'm starving. Michael, you mentioned a few episodes ago you get angry. Yeah, and, yeah and that's the first mode. thing when we came in here. Garrett was like, so are you irritable because of the fast? I was like, not yet. I think I will be this afternoon, uh, conveniently enough, when I coach a baseball game. Um, <laughs> so I may be yelling at 9- and 10-year-olds to run faster. Okay, common oh, yeah, grace. go ahead, man. It's called common grace. Just uh, Common grace is, the great, is everyday grace that whether you acknowledge God or not, you feel like the act of his grace and then there's saving grace and sanctifying mm. grace and there's Word. different types of grace yeah okay, but sorry. i'm not quite irritable <laughs> yet and i think i'm remembering now why it's because and i do remember this from last time is i have a pretty bad headache um and it's just from not eating and and from you know literally just the, the physical act of not yeah. eating uh, part of it's probably withdrawal because i love eating but uh, not because I need the food. Morning? No, I did not. I'm drinking water only. Do you usually drink coffee? Um, not not regular. I don't get caffeine yeah. headaches. I will I don't say really I, get... I drank coffee this morning. Yeah. So yeah, and I that's what that. we and and you know it. I didn't yeah. even think to ask if yeah. I drank pre workout so. Well, you know, I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> I, whenever like when because I, I don't do them all that often, and so when I do it, I want to like try to do it just yeah. water. That's when I try to. do I and it buddy, doesn't. I'm sorry. I got a. I have a buddy. He's from India, and they go so hardcore. That he tells me when he fasts, they don't swallow their spit. No way. He does a no water fast, and his goal, like, like, like they literally make themselves not swallow their own spit. I just did it. I would have lost. Yeah, I, I know. I just I did it right before. Right. I, talked, I, I, I don't know how you can do that. I can't. Without. Not, you're like, <laughs> I would have just. I would have to be in solitude for <laughs> the remainder, the duration of my fast, because there's no way. Exactly. Yeah, you just I'm get sure a milk bottle, a little bit of spit, and, but I think the whole goal is. It's yeah, yeah, actively yeah, and and that's kind of where I'm at is 
not the, the spit part, but, um, you know, like I've got a headache, I'm irritable. And, and so I really just keep, and this is a verse that has really helped me in the last couple of weeks, um, is I keep going back to, and it's, it's, this is from the soul perspective. It doesn't help me with my hunger pains, but, um, it's Psalm 62, one, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Mm. And so I'm just trying to really meditate on that one verse and just saying, my soul finds finds rest in God, and no matter what I'm going through, whether it's discomfort, physical pains, whatever it is, I'm relieved that my soul finds rest in God, and that my salvation comes from Him. And then everything else seems so minor compared to that truth. Um, so literally, while I'm even talking, like my head is throbbing, and so I'm just constantly like saying that That's Psalm cute. 61, like I'm in pain. But my soul is resting in Which God. Which is an essential part of fasting. Right. That it's right. supposed to evoke a physical response that brings on a spiritual effect. Boy, it's yeah. working. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, thank you, Jesus. Now, we're not talking about fasting today, but we did want to mention that um, pretty briefly. Again, it is not for our gain. Um, we have no desire for you to be like, oh, wait, they're fasting. But we want to just Michael talk to you it about up to it. to show how spiritually he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to I encourage just you, you. And uh, I'm not good at it. So I'm I want like, you know that you can do it. Yeah, and half the time I was at, at quote-unquote lunch with my wife earlier, and she was eating and I wasn't. And I was oh, just... No, and I told, her, I told her to eat. I was like, it's fine, go ahead. And, and I was just like, <laughs> I'm so hungry. And she was like, stop complaining and pray about it. I was like, you're such a jerk. There you go. <laughs> so like, I'm not like... You know, I'm not even doing it that well. I'm, I've complained a couple of times, but, you know. I'm like, you haven't even seen food today. So. Yeah, I have. There's food right behind you. I uh, just want you to know. There's oh. little Oreos, Oreos and things. Yeah, we're not eating. All right, but getting to solitude. Um, yeah, we're looking at solitude today. And, 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 you know, we see like one quick verse that I wanted to share um, was from uh, Luke 5.16. And it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And and we look at the life of Jesus, and we do see that often in Scripture. You know, maybe Jesus woke up early that morning before anyone else, or Jesus told the disciples, hey, you all go ahead on the boat. I'm going to wait here. Or I'm you know, basically he was saying, I need to spend time alone with God. I need to rejuvenate, refresh, reconnect, whatever that looked like um, for him in those specific moments. But Jesus in his life gives us really the greatest example we can ever have of solitude is yeah. that we have to get alone. We talked about community last week. We need community, but we also need moments where we get alone with God. And my favorite passage in all of Scripture outside, Micah, of the of uh, the crucifixion of, of Garrett, Garrett of said this was his favorite passage yeah. that he's about to read and I was like mine is that Jesus died on the cross for my <laughs> sins and was resurrected my, my favorite passage that I really find a lot of power in is first Kings chapter 19 1 through 18 and in this passage to preface it, it it's about Elijah and right before this passage takes place is one of the most single-handed acts of God, one of the most powerful acts of God in, in recorded history throughout the Bible. And what, what was happening is Israel had fallen really deeply into worshiping the uh, false idols, um, the Canaanite pantheon of idols, Baal, um, Asherah, and all these different gods. And, and so Elijah, the prophet of Yahweh, the prophet of God, had challenged these prophets of Baal and, and the king of Israel, who was, at this point, had fallen away from God, and he says, you know, 
we're going to build an altar on top of this mountain, Mount Carmel. And you know, whoever's God can light this altar on fire first wins. And so, I mean, these prophets of Baal spent all day trying to get this And, and give a little description. Light. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I skipped what? ahead. No, no, I was going to say, give, make sure you give a little description of Elijah's altar. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they spent all day trying to get it to light. And, and it's hilarious because Elijah, <laughs> I mean, he throws all these disses at the prophets. Like one thing he says is, is maybe <laughs> in the Hebrew, <laughs> maybe your God is used in the bathroom. Maybe he's taking a dump. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Maybe he's uh, relieving himself. God, take a poo poo. He's saying all exactly. Have you all seen that video of the kid that is potty training, and the dad is like, "Did you go? Did you go poo poo?" And he's like, "I no go poo. I go pee." And he's like going off on the dad. He's like trying to. Sorry, go ahead. You said poo, and that reminded me a poo break. Yeah, Uh, go ahead. No, keep going. But but all I mean, Moses or Moses, Elijah is just like throwing shade at the prophets of Baal because he knows that there's no way that they can do that that, that Baal can 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 show how powerful he is because he's not. And so finally the prophets give up and Elijah just says, Okay, I need you to pour all this water and they get all these jars of water and for th- three times in a row pour these jars of water on the altar douse there's, it in water. Like a moat yeah, there's a moat around like the, the altar. Soaked in water. And and then all Elijah does is say, hey, God, light this on fire. It's time. Boom. And it lights on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and you just Boy, hear we have that in the, the rails. <laughs> But it's, it's this incredible act of power that happens that, that is done through Elijah. Elijah kind of fosters God's power. Um, and Elijah is known throughout all of Israel to be this great prophet of God. And in the days of Jesus, Elijah and Moses are held are, are, are held as the pinnacle of of God's messengers. And yet, as soon as this powerful event is over, you find Elijah in this most pitiful state. That that as soon as this is over. It says that in, in verse in, in chapter nineteen, right after the record record of this event, it says that Ahab, the king of Israel, told Jezebel, who is this evil queen of Israel, She's the says worst. everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, "May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life." like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So she's saying she gives him a death threat, and Elijah gets terrified. Elijah had just witnessed God do the impossible in the most incredible way, and yet he gets terrified, and he runs away. And he goes all the way to Mount Horeb. He, he travels outside of Israel, and he travels, it says, for 40 days and 40 nights, and he finds himself in this cave on Mount Horeb, and in verse 9, it says, Suddenly the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And so Elijah had secluded himself away from everyone. He had spent all this time running away after everything that he had done in front of people. He, he ran away from them and went into solitude. And I think one of the most powerful passages of how God interacts with us is found here. Because it says... Elijah replies to God and says, I've been very zealous for the Lord of God of armies, but the 
Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they're looking to take my life too. He's saying, listen, I've done everything you've wanted me to do. I have fostered your name as best as I can, but I'm still getting killed. And all I can do now is just run away. And then God says, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. And at that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering the cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave because he knew that the Lord was in that soft whisper. And I think that's such a powerful picture of what it means to experience solitude, that we can witness God's power in so many different ways. But when we witness it in solitude, when we witness him and feel his presence simply by removing ourselves from what is going on in life, that's when we witness and experience God in in a powerful and unexplainable way. So the awesome story, because... Garrett, I'm with you. It's I don't mm-hmm. know if I'd rank that as my, but it it's probably at least in my top five yeah. favorite ah, stories. Jesus died, and resurrected. <laughs> All right, ah, so yeah, right <laughs> John three sixteen. That's great. You know? uh, yeah, but you know, I think often we want to see God in the whirlwind of fire. Yeah. We want to see Him in these big events, and we, we expect want, to see Him in yeah, that. And we expect to see Him in these revivals, and we yeah. expect to see Him in these maybe. We take our kids to camp, and we and I believe they do see him in those great things. But in my life, where I think I saw, where I know where I saw God mm. the most, I was alone. Yeah, same. Uh, and I remember moments of just this quiet, still, still voice. This, this just quietness that in solitude, when I was alone, God spoke the greatest. Yeah, uh, and yeah. the clearest. In the clearest, seriously, yes, yeah, yeah. for sure, the clearest, yes. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, I would echo the exact same sentiments as Christian. Um, you know, the the time in my life where I felt nearest to God, I was alone after I had just been feeling like I just run through a meat grinder, yeah. uh, not physically, but because it was just so tore up with, with an event we were doing. It was years ago. I won't get into the story. That's another day, I think. But, um, but I was so worn out spiritually. I mean, I, I've never been that spiritually tired in my life. Uh, I wasn't even really physically tired, but I was just so drained uh, of dealing with these, these select group of students and trying to help them understand who Jesus was, and they just didn't care. And so that was, for me, it was a moment where I just like hit my knees at the at the bed there at Lee University, and uh, yeah, it was Lee University in, in southern Tennessee, and I just told God, I told him I was giving up on ministry. I was like, if this is what it is, I want nothing to do with it. Uh, and I, like a bad leader, fell asleep for like 25 minutes and woke up with like this extreme sense of peace and like this extreme drive to like just go right back at it. And I never, it's it was more drive than I have normally. So I, it was of God. It was not of me. It wasn't, you know, I. You know, someone might say that would doubt it. Might say, "Well, you took a nap, so obviously you felt better." But it wasn't. I wasn't even physically tired. I was just so like emotionally and spiritually distraught that I just like laid there and was just like so upset. But that I fell asleep for, like I said, like twenty minutes. But I woke up 
so refreshed spiritually and was just like pumped. It's and almost it, like the story of Elijah. Yeah. He yeah. Right before sleep, that, you know? he, yeah. Yeah. he was, God told him to go to sleep. He right. said, here's water, sleep. Here's yeah. food and drink. Yeah. Get up or sleep again and then get up and go yeah. to this mountain. And and that, and that was, you know, that was the case for me. It was just like, it's just like this crazy turnaround of like, I'm quitting. I'm done. If I would have had my own car, I would have left 100%. Hmm. But I was driving one of the, or I was, um, actually I was driving one of the vans. So I was, the and you driver your wife for like after that too. Several. Basically. It was at that event. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's uh, so like literally, I would have left 100. percent No if you doubt. Gave my up. You still been single. That's true. Well, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. That's awesome. I should have. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I love you. Moments Sorry. of solitude are what we need. Jesus, He displays it. We've read verses, and we see in the Old Testament just uh, Elijah in the moment of solitude. God speaks to him. All right. What about for? I'm gonna give myself an ex- example. Uh, and maybe I'm not the best example because I would say I'm very extroverted, but I'm also, I wouldn't, if some people don't believe amnivert's a word, amnivert, I believe I'm both. I like to be by myself. Let, let me use just a metaphorical person. Uh, let's make up a character named Bobby. Let's say Bobby does not like to be alone. And you guys, I don't know if y'all are like this. Bobby. I have I have friends. <laughs> I have friends that can't stand to be alone. And I know oh, people. Yeah. What, how, what do we say to them about solitude? Like, why is solitude important for them, even for extroverts? Because yeah. extroverts, and, and they're made to be around yeah. people. It's like fasting for me. And that's, yeah. that's <laughs> tough because, like, when we, we were talking about, <laughs> when we talked about community last week or last hour for us right now, you know, community is easier for extroverts, whereas it's more difficult for introverts because, you know, you like being alone and yeah. you don't realize the need you have for community as an introvert. And it switches for solitude. Yeah. It's difficult for extroverts and it's a lot easier for introverts. So like for me, I get charged by being alone. Like if I'm around people for a long period of time, I have to go into solitude or else I'll, I'll just crash for my wife. She gets charged by being with people. And if she's alone all day, like she's alone all day, and I come home, she wants to do something. She has to do something because she just is itching to do something. And she gets charged by being with people. And so that's tough. But you have to have a balance of both spiritually because each one moves in a different way. You know, community is what allows us to see the body of Christ moving, but solitude is what allows us to feel the Spirit of God individually. And and for those extroverts, um, you know, I would say a common misunderstanding, at least for me it has been, is is saying, I have to do this to get closer to God. Mm -hmm. And I always screw that up because it's always, I need to fast to get closer to God, instead of saying, I should do this so that God can get, so that I'm allowing God to get closer to me. Uh, you know, under our own power, we're not going to get very far. So for extroverts, I would say take that time in, 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 in practicing solitude and really understand that it's not because of your power that you can not get through it, but thrive through that. But understand you're allowing God to speak to you in a different way than you're used to. Uh, and, and God, you know, like we see in that in that verse that Garrett was reading, First Kings, Elijah, he showed up in the whisper. And so I think if we're not careful, if we're only looking for God, like you said, in the fire or in the earthquake or in the strong wind, we may be missing some serious 
Yeah, for sure. Some serious strengthening in our relationship by being in solitude. So for extroverts, I, I can't imagine the the difficulty of a true extrovert. I'm like I'm I think I'm an ambiovert like you and just kinda like I can mm-hmm. kinda be both. I get charged up by being alone mm-hmm. and I get charged up by being with people. Um I think for extroverts you really have to take a look at yourself and, and say, I, it's gonna be awful, it might be uncomfortable and you may need to start in small doses. Um, and don't do solitude yeah. at night when you're sleeping cause you're alone anyway. Um, you know, but, but do it when, when you might have, you know, sacrifice the time when you may have hung out with a friend normally on a Thursday night, we go out and we bowl, say, take a week off and spend that time in solitude. And it might be hard, but if you focus on Christ in those moments, instead of focus on your aloneness, it's going to be a lot more manageable. You're going to feel the power of God through those moments rather than just saying, oh, I'm alone, I don't know what to do. Focus on Christ. I I think as an extrovert, too, it can seem like a daunting or almost scary task to do solitude. Um, I like to think of Mark chapter 10. Um, It says, and we don't really realize fully what's going on here until you look at the context. It says that the disciples, they, all of them, including Jesus, were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And the disciples were astonished, but those who followed him were afraid. And taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them things that would happen to him. Now, when you read that, you're like, why in the world are the disciples? Why Why are the people that are there, why are they afraid why are they astonished what what they're just walking on the road what you don't realize you know jesus is ahead of them he's secluding himself they were on a 22 mile hike so for 22 straight miles jesus was by himself ahead of them not you know distancing himself he was engaging in solitude he's practicing social distance (laughs) yeah yeah and so think about that from the disciples perspective they're looking at jesus this guy that they're following and he has completely secluded themselves from him and they're just thinking what is going on they were astonished because yeah they're they're astonished because how can someone go on for 22 miles without conversation and 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 they're afraid because well what's about to happen when he comes and tells us like what's he about to tell us and so i think you know that can sometimes be the mindset of extroverts that it's this daunting task of you know what what is going on what you you look and you know about the importance of solitude but you don't really understand how it goes into effect, how how you use it, and so it can be for, scary. Yeah, and for extroverts, I have this problem too because um, I, I do I do enjoy being by myself. I have to be by myself every morning, uh, and I enjoy my time by myself at night. But on my extroverted side, uh, when I'm on my extroverted side, sometimes it's I think the reason it's so hard is because I feel like I'm going to miss out on something. Mm-hmm. You know, people get FOMO. You feel like, FOMO, fear and, of missing out. And I have that really bad. I don't want to miss out on anything. But just knowing that you're not going to miss out. Uh, and if you do miss out on one thing, there are so many different things in yeah. life that you can be a part of. But be okay with missing out on. And, you know, in the time you spend in solitude, the odds of something amazing happening that you're going to miss are very slim. But just getting over that fear of missing out on what might be a night with friends. Yeah. Or it might be just time hanging out with a group of people. It's okay to miss out on that. You're going to experience a blessing. Uh, in a, I, I, and I believe even in solitude, even if you're an extrovert and you recharge from being around people, if you take that time in solitude and go out of your comfort zone, God's going to recharge you even mm. in that solitude. 
Hey, thanks for joining us here in part one of our discussion on solitude. The question we're looking at is how does being alone affect our relationship with God? Look for part two to come out in just a couple of days.